Welcome to the 360T Podcast, a series that features top industry professionals offering unique insights regarding how the FX market is developing around us. Hello, and welcome to the 360T Podcast. I'm delighted to be joined this week by Robert C. Brandy, the head of institutional FX at Flow Traders. Welcome, Robbie. Thanks, Caitlin. Nice to be here. Thank you. First time I, uh, I do a podcast like this in these crazy times. So I know that everyone is very over COVID-related content, and yet it's kind of the one thing that we can't stop talking about. So I'm going to ask you to start off with something COVID-related but forward-looking about what you expect to see in the future. And that is, obviously, when the pandemic hit, it forced a number of changes amongst FX market participants as they adapted to kind of the double whammy of high volatility and the non-office working environment. So what I wanted to ask you is, looking ahead, do you think that some of the changes we've seen will become longer term trends or has it kind of just been a a temporary adjustment and then everything will go back to the way it was pre-pandemic? You know, for now we're working from home. Everyone is trying to figure out what the future brings. I think we're more like as long as we can do what we do best and that is, uh, you know, provide liquidity in these challenging markets and keep our prices as competitive as possible and increase market share, which we've done throughout that crisis then the whole working from home, I think, is less important for us in the sense that we just adapt to what the environment asks us. I mean, trading businesses are usually in the office, but we've been super agile and we see, we see what the future brings. So I don't think we have a, a firm outlook already that if there's effects in two years from now, this and that is how we're going to do it, right? I think the volatility question you asked, I mean, obviously, massive volatility spikes. I think the fixed trade traded 80, 85 and up. You know, it's still kind of around 25 at the moment, you know, which a year and a half ago we would have called super high. I think with everything that's going on in, this, in the macro space, US elections, Brexit, COVID, yes or no vaccines, changes in certain technologies and everything that people are using, which means people are looking to invest in different kinds of stocks, which causes all kinds of rebalancing of the baskets we quote in the ETF space. There's lots going on. And yeah, I think I can't really see an environment in the next six to 10 months where all of a sudden the markets become boring and volatility drops to uh, the fix drops down to whatever a single digit or a, a low double digit level. One question I wanted to ask you, which is obviously you know, Flow Traders is a tech heavy, tech focused trading firm. And I think prior to earlier this year, you know, we'd been in a period of pretty low sustained volatility for a long period of time. And I think that there were perhaps some questions about as the market continued becoming, the FX market broadly continued becoming more electronic, more automated, more algos, et cetera. I think there were some questions in terms of how the market would function once volatility did return. And And having returned in such a big way, do you think that the increasing usage of technology and advanced automated tools kind of proved itself during this year? I think the answer is yes. Not even what I think. I mean, there were no moments where the liquidity fully disappeared or, you know, where markets jumped with the percentages we've seen in the past. I think, you know, the fact that everyone is quoting electronic made actually for a pretty stable market. And um, yeah, I think FX has got really well. We've got well in FX, obviously. Volumes were up heavily in March and April. And the fact that it has such a good infrastructure and settlement system really showed that it's a super mature market and that, if anything, it will be more electronic after this. Yeah. I wanted to ask you a couple of product-specific questions. We'll go through a few different ones. To start off with FX futures. Now, I know that this is a product that you trade as well as the OTC market. 
Are you surprised that FX futures still constitute such a small part of the overall FX market? And do you think that there's room for growth there? We're a little surprised. Yeah, I think it's a good question. I mean, you know, we are an active supporter and market maker in FX futures, both on the CME, but also on the, on the UX. Yes, we are a friend of the show. <laughs> um, no, but um, across, to be honest, across all outlets and uh, exchanges where they are from, you know, Dubai to Singapore to America and Europe. So we support it, we trade it, we trade it a lot as a, as a hedging tool for some of the ETFs that we hedge, but we also market make it, we trade the, the, the spot to the future and back. You know, we think it gives us more, the fact that we trade it so actively and have access to all these markets gives us also a better price in FX spot, right? So that's not the same at every trading house, but for us, that's very good. And obviously it settles um, yeah, on the exchanges, which as you know, uh, FX is still a, um, a product that is traded on a bilateral way. And that is also for, like us, the newcomers on the market, the credit part of it is always the most difficult part. So yeah, we would support anything that trades centrally cleared because we just believe that that makes it a more level playing field and a liquidity provider like flow and transparent as we are and listed and everything. And you can look everything up that we do from volumes to, to the, the view on the markets or whatever view on the market, but the view on how we think the market should operate, which is in a super transparent way. You know, we've always been uh, advocates of that. So yeah, we'd like to see more futures traded. And then SpotFX, we had uh, James O'Connor from the Bank of England on this podcast before, and he talked about, you know, SpotFX is a very simple product that's actually very sophisticated in terms of how it's traded and the technology around it. Now, a lot of people are turning their attention to NDFs and trying to apply the lessons and technology and market infrastructure from Spot onto some of kind of the short-dated NDF products. Are you seeing progress here in terms of the evolution of how that product set is trading? Well, I've certainly seen progress in people talking about it in the last four years. I mean, it's been <laughs> a main, main topic on every panel, on every conference. But yet, if you try to get prices streamed in anything other than one month, in let's name some of the most heavily traded NDFs, let's say Korea and, and, uh, and India, anything else than the one month, people kind of struggle to stream even the bigger EM banks, right? Mm -hmm. So. There's a lot being talked about and the electronification, if that's the word, of the NDF markets, yeah, I think is something that we would like to be a part of as well. We have a huge emerging market franchise in our ETF business and in our, so in our equities and fixed income businesses, you know, on the back of which we have, have tons of EMFX to do and we can get really nice uncorrelated liquidity in people's, I guess, liquidity stack. So we would like to be part of that. But it's not that straightforward yet. Uh, there's not like one single place. You have on SAF, you have off SAF. You have all these things going on that make it more complicated. And it's not one exchange, if you like, where everyone can trade all these NDFs. So there's work to be done. We definitely want to be part of that. And we're going to. But it's not as far down the line as I would have thought hearing people speak about it for the last many years. I agree that I've been witness to many, many panel sessions talking about the electronification of the NDF market. I'm sure I've even written a fair few articles on the subject before I came to work for 360T. So given that, right, there's been a lot of talk, a lot of emphasis, a lot of focus on e-trading and bringing more of the NDF market onto electronic platforms. Should people instead be talking more about actually bringing outright forwards and swaps onto electronic platforms. When you look at the size of the market and the product size, is that the real price for kind of the next stage of evolution in this market? It all goes hand in hand with clearing, I think, okay. right? If, if you want to clear uh, NDFs or not. I mean, the problem for, for example, all the non-backs is FX forwards and swaps, it will eat up our lines straight away. 
right? So plus it's expensive to pay per million and these swaps can easily go in billions per swap. So it's not that straightforward to me that a lot of people would participate in it. I mean, I think some have tried and there is still, I think some of the platforms that looking at to, to put up and, you know, one of their rooms or whatever to see if you can get like a, I don't know, an ECN style forwards exchange, if you like. I mean, that hasn't happened. And spot ECNs have been around for how long? 20 years. So it's not an easy one. And I think the credit part is really the problem. You mentioned FX clearing there. Do you think that it's inevitable that more of the FX market will shift towards a centrally cleared model? We would certainly support it. So I'm talking my own book, but I think... But I think eventually, if you look at the counterparties, right, that we trade with, if you're a large asset manager and under MIFID 2, you're ready, you don't pay for your research anymore with your banks. You can't, and you don't want to. Um, you have to, you know, ask everything in competition. You have to figure everything out. The only real thing that still keeps you in certain places, that keeps you away from trading at just the best price, is the fact that you're captive because of the credit situation, right? So if you have only a credit line with two, whatever, two banks, you cannot trade with someone else because you cannot get your trade settled. So what we do see is that a lot of asset managers, for this reason, they're engaging with a prime broker. So instead of having 10 ISDA CSAs with their 10 biggest banks, they go to a prime broker and through their prime broker, they can access the street and they can trade with whoever they like, basically. I wanted to ask you about Flow Traders uh, announced some strong results recently, and this is all obviously public information. I'm not giving anything away here. Given the strong results, Will you see basically bigger investment in the firm's FX business as a result of these strong results? Yeah, look, I mean, obviously, I talked to our management the last few days. We are publicly traded, we're listed. All our results are there for anyone to see, which is great because we don't have any secrets and we want to be transparent and everyone can see what we're doing. So that's a good part of it. But the other thing is everyone is always watching what you're doing and trying to, you know, if it, when stuff goes well, they're like, oh, what are you going to do? And, and when stuff goes bad, it's like, hmm, you know, what's the plan? Look, I think our plan has been quite stable over the last few years. And, you know, the management has invested in new businesses like fixed income FX, but also spot metals trading, which is really growing here. We can talk about it in a minute. You know, they're really investing in new businesses. We're obviously, as you know, a very large market maker, Europe's largest market maker in ETFs. And we're building the other products on the back of it. And we've been hiring people in the last few years for FX. We've been hiring people for fixed income. So we've been putting, you know, new hardware and software and and algos around both businesses. You know, most of that stuff we build in-house. So we don't all of a sudden, because we had a few good quarters, change the strategy. That's what I'm trying to say. So we have been investing and we will keep investing. We kind of started with a a COVID-related note and we'll end with one as well, which was obviously... Revenue growth is one thing, but what are the challenges facing you as you try and grow the FX business? And I'm thinking both externally with kind of sales efforts and and getting out there. Obviously, it's hard to build new relationships and meet people right now, but also internally with the hiring. You know, it's often tough to find the brightest and best talent. I imagine it's even more challenging hiring and training someone in this environment. Yeah, I think the hiring maybe, you know, we have a good department for that. And, you know, the fact that we're listed, people can look up a lot of stuff on us and things are going well. So I think we have access to the right talent pools as a firm. I think Flow has been, been always doing that. And we've trained up most of the people in-house as well. Obviously, yeah, the training, you know, when you restrict the amount of people in your office, the training gets harder. So I'm sure that's where the challenge is for us and for everyone else out there. I think we're doing well. 
but yeah, that is something that, you know, so I don't think the attracting talent is the issue, but yeah, training people up as you normally all sit together is harder now. And I'm sure we're finding ways to do that. Yeah, sales has been tough, man. I mean, look, you can't get in front of people as much as you like. We can't see everyone we like and explain and pitch. We're still a growth business. That said, we've managed to onboard a lot of new names in the last six months. And for example, we've really been focusing on our spot metals business in the last years, and that's really paying off. So I think we're top three on quite a few platforms in spot metals as well, which has been a great business addition for us. And we're also spending a lot of time building that out. So sometimes you can focus on different things. Credit remains the biggest challenge for us in FX, and that includes the precious spectre. So we always adding new PBs. So we PB already, as you know, with NetWest and Barclays, and we're adding a big American bank for our PB. So we're really trying to grow that and get access to people from there. But we're also looking at other ways of, as we said earlier, pooled credit via the platforms or whoever is out there in the market looking at these things. So, you know, I think for the effects business of flow, credit is definitely the biggest challenge, but it's also something that we are actively trying to build around mostly by working together with all the platforms and by adding BBs. Well, Robbie, it sounds like uh, you're certainly keeping busy this year. We have been keeping busy, yeah, and it's been different but fun especially doing things like this. Normally, we, you know, how many panels have we set together? And now we're, <laughs> now we're doing it on a Zoom. And we even put the camera off so that we have better bandwidth. So maybe this for the working from home. People need better internet connections globally, but I'm sure that's a different story. So, yeah, it's a, a brave new world indeed. Robbie, thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me today. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. And uh, I'm looking forward to seeing you in, uh, in the flesh uh, next time with a beer in hand. <laughs> Hopefully. <laughs> All right. Thank you, Galen. Thank you for listening to the 360T podcast. Check the 360T website to catch up on past episodes and find new listings.